This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Auto Media Conference, and now in its 28th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Will the influx of electric vehicles cause the overall car market to shrink? One global auto executive thinks so. Any warns of dire consequences going forward will have the details. I'm sure Chris will have some comments on that. Um, Tesla is cutting prices overseas as markets contract and its market share declines. The Texas-based automaker has slashed prices of its Model Y and Model 3 electric vehicles in China, Japan, South Korea, and Australia. No price cuts here yet, but we'll have more details on that coming up. And General Motors has asked the U.S. Treasury Department to take a second look at its Cadillac Lyric because it believes the department has misclassified it as it formulated rules for tax incentives for EV going forward. Uh, these are based on the Anti-Inflation Act. We'll have more on the government's confusion a little later in the show. Government often confused, I guess. Hi, I'm Jack Nierad. Uh, sometimes I'm confused, too. And uh, with me is co-host Chris Teague, who is never confused. He is just a straightforward guy. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can get the most for your automotive dollar. Uh, Chris, uh, tell me what's going on beside the fact you're maybe a little sleepy uh, in Maine. I think I'm probably always confused, Jack, so it's consistently confused, so it doesn't feel like it's out of the ordinary when I'm extra confused. But uh, doing well here in Maine, Jack, the weather is uh, you know, pretty miserable as it always is, but there's no snow on the ground, really, a little bit. I uh, wish there was more. How about you? Uh, we've got rain in Southern California. Everything is okay. Uh, you know, very busy week for the NERAD family, and I'll talk a bit about that next week uh, when uh, all is said and done <laughs> I have stories to tell. What is the vehicle you're going to be talking about this week? I drove the new Toyota Tundra, the platinum trim. I'm excited to tell you about it. I got some uh, good experience hauling and, and moving things around with it, so a uh, good idea of what it's all about. Yeah, terrific truck. Uh, a little little preview of my take on the Tundra. Uh, full-size uh, pickup truck. I will be road testing uh, an amazing car, amazing in many ways. It is the 2023 Kia EV6 GT. It's a Kia that's quicker than some Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Uh, you kind of wonder why it needs to be, but it is. I had the chance to test it both on the street and on the track, the test track, which was telling uh, in a lot of ways. So I'll have a full report on that. And I'm very excited about our special guest this week. Gary Witzenberg is the, uh, a veteran automotive writer. I've known him for years and years and years. He is also president of the North American Car of the Year jury. And this is the week that the North American Car of the Year, a Truck of the Year, and Utility of the Year are being announced. And so we'll have the right from the horse's mouth uh, interview with him about all those vehicles and discussion about them. They, uh, those will have been introduced, but we'll tell you all about them. Uh, in that interview, so stay with us for that. Uh, Gary has a lot of interesting things to say, and I think before we do anything, though, we're going to talk about automotive news, and boy, here's one that uh, I'm, I'm really concerned about, and um, I'm, I'm really curious about your take on this, too, Chris, because I think you're going to have an interesting take on this. This, is, this comes from um, Stellantis's chief executive officer. Stellantis, of course, owns Chrysler, owns the Jeep brand, Ram brand, uh, Dodge. He said recently that uh, you can probably expect more auto plant closures if high prices for electric vehicles cause vehicle markets to shrink from pre-pandemic levels, which they've already shrunk big time for pre-pandemic levels. What he's suggesting is maybe they won't recover because so much will be going into 
the development of electric vehicles. I mean, what's your overall take on that? Well, you know, I don't I, I don't have the outlook that a global automaker CEO has, but just take a look at the the affordable EV models that we've been offered over the years and how many of those have come to fruition, right? We have the Chevrolet Bolt EV, the EUV, uh, the, the Nissan Leaf, maybe a couple others, but they are more expensive. Uh, over time, I think they're going to come back down. Now, what that's going to do to demand, I don't know. I think people have been paying an average of almost $50,000 for gas vehicles for the past few years. Uh, so there's definitely an appetite to buy a car, whether it costs forty dollars or $50,000. Uh, it's tough to say, Jack. What do, you, what do you think? I'm not sure that I... I don't know. It's hard to say. It really is hard to say, right? And and some of this might be sour grapes because a lot of people would say Stellantis is late to the electric vehicle party and maybe they're now trying to rain on everybody's parade. At the same time, there is a, a study from Deloitte that says nearly 7 in 10 prospective EV buyers expect to pay less than $50,000 for their next vehicle. And I'll tell you, they're going to be pretty hard-pressed unless they're getting a, a very small vehicle. There's just a handful. You can probably count them on your thumbs may, or maybe on the finger of one hand. Uh, the vehicles that are under $50,000 and actually available for under, under $50,000 as you'd want them equipped, I'm wondering what this is going to do to volumes. I'm always concerned about volumes anyway, about how many vehicles are being sold because prices keep going up and wages are not going up nearly as fast as prices are. Yeah, I think they're grappling with this. Uh, the automakers are grappling with this. You know, the, the electric vehicle wave has been kind of slowly building for a while, and now it's almost like a vertical wall, right? We're looking at the growth or the number of the, the numbers of new pieces of legislation, things that are coming out around it. So they're scrambling. There's a huge upfront investment for them for these things. So I can see why uh, Stellantis CEO would be upset about these things and maybe want to be and maybe feel cautious about the future. Uh, but, you know, I think in the next few years, we're going to see more affordable, affordable models. Uh, GM is partnering with Honda to come up with a whole lot of affordable cars uh you know the you know, chevrolet will have more the the uh, equinox ev will be here later this year for thirty thousand dollars supposedly so uh, eventually tesla may get its act in order too but i think the numbers are going to increase so i don't know if i see a, a drop in demand overall i mean i think maybe a rise in automaker costs maybe a slumming of profit margins for the foreseeable future but I don't know. Maybe that leads them to close plants. Maybe that's his point. Yeah, and I think maybe that is his point. And, uh, you know, slimming of profit margins is, is a big deal for car companies, right? I mean, uh, they depend. They don't run on giant margins given the, the price of the, the products they're selling, you know, selling uh, vehicles that are forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. A lot of the new vehicles announced in the EV space are not under $50,000. And certainly, as you would equip them, uh, even more so climb uh, well above that. So uh, we're going to see about that. I mean, a vehicle uh, case in point is the EV6 that I'm going to be talking about in this show. I mean, it's based under $50,000, but I think as a lot of people would equip them, uh, they're going to be well over $50,000. And that takes it you know, beyond uh, the price range of a lot of people. Stellantis is closing its Belvedere, Illinois plant that builds, uh, I believe, the, the Jeep Cherokee. And uh, they point to EV costs as the reason for this. What uh, Tavera says is the auto industry must absorb 40% higher costs for EVs. 40% higher costs. I mean, that's a big deal. It's not 2 3 5%. 40% is gigantic. It is gigantic. But again, I you know, I can't see these being sustained costs, right? Like we're looking at a, a ramp up cost here for these things. Granted, that's going to last, you know, however they, however they have to, 
I can't talk. However long it takes them to recover from that, I think is up to, you know, like you said, demand and, and what they end up selling these vehicles for. Uh, but I think we're going to look back on this time and say, man, you know, it would have been nice if automakers had come around to that affordable EV promise that they had, uh, because I think that this conversation with Tavares and others is just going to cause them to be more reticent or more hesitant, I should say, to to lower the cost going forward unless they have super strong demand they can fall back on. And, and nobody knows that for sure right now. Right. I think one of the sticking points, of course, is the price of batteries. And we've been expecting a battery breakthrough and, you know, scale that will bring prices down. And, you know, likely it will. We talked to Steve Center uh, last week about that of, of Kia, uh, and he believes scale can be a big part of that. Uh, but still, we're, we're running into that. Uh, and uh, a company that's running into problems, too, is Tesla in China. Things are changing in China. Uh, some of the things are changing uh, from legislation or regulations. I'm not sure they actually have legislation in, in China uh, the way we have it. Uh, but they ha have been forced to cut the prices on their Model Y and Model 3 electric vehicles in China just to keep the Shanghai factory going. And uh, they fell short of its uh, their 2022 delivery target. Uh, this is not good news for Tesla. And um, we're not going to see prices come down in the United States uh, because of this anytime soon, pro probably. But um, they are lowering prices. And uh, I'm wondering what your take on that is. Yeah, I don't know for sure the number or the amount of the price increases that Tesla implemented in China, but they've had several here over the past two, almost three years now for the Model 3. Uh, and, you know, at the end of last year, they had a push where uh, you could go to Tesla's website and get a $7,500 credit for a Model 3 or a Model Y and you get 10,000 miles of free supercharging. So it's clear they were trying to push some cars out the door. Uh, I just don't know how bad the situation is in China, uh, but it's obviously getting in that direction if they're lowering prices. I mean, they've knocked down prices between 13 and 24 percent, you know, not inconsiderable in China. And the models in China are now priced 24 to 32 percent. This, according to Reuters, uh, 24 to 32 percent lower than in the United States, which might lead to dumping charges. I mean, this is not necessarily legal to uh, you know, sell, sell vehicles at much different prices uh, in different markets uh, and lower overseas than than here in the United States. So. Uh, I guess this is anti-dumping. It's the opposite of dumping in a way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll have to see uh, what happens going forward. Here's another thing we should cover is uh, the U.S. Treasury, which, of course, is weighted into classifying vehicles that qualify for federal tax credits, even though, uh, <laughs> well, I... That's part of the thing uh, from the most recent legislation, le legislation that was passed, I think, in August of 2022. Uh, the, the most recent thing is... Uh, General Motors is saying, hey, you guys kind of screwed up when you classified Cadillac Lyric. They want Lyric classified as an SUV. I think anybody who looks at it is going to say, hmm, that's an SUV. And instead, it has not been classified as an SUV. And uh, that's that's got them a little bit up in arms because there's a big difference there of getting the $7,500 tax credit or not getting it. Yeah, the limit's what, like $80,000 for a sport utility, but it's only $55,000 for other vehicles. So if the Lyric is not classified as it should be, then it's going to fall short of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish the uh, Treasury Department would talk to the EPA. Uh, they're probably... Uh, <laughs> steps away from each other or not too far away from each other. Another one that they've kind of messed up on, and I, th I find this amusing too, is, uh, and Elon Musk says they've messed up. I mean, that's his quote, as a matter of fact. But the Volkswagen ID4 is classifi not classified as an SUV when it's in two-wheel drive, 
configuration, but the four-wheel drive configuration is considered an SUV. Well, huh? I, again, you know, you're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. Uh, I'm trying to figure all this out. I mean, the the ID four fits into the the price brackets either way, but it just it seems silly. <laughs> Two wheel drive versus four wheel drive. It doesn't. There's really no differentiation there. Well, when we come back, it will be road test time, and we have uh, fascinating road test vehicles: the Toyota Tundra and the Kia EV6 GT. A Kia that is faster than a Ferrari. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jackie Redknapp with you. Thanks so much for being with us on America on the Road. And it is road test time, one of our favorite segments. I mean, we live to drive and drive to live. And uh, Chris, you were driving the uh, Toyota Tundra full-size pickup truck. Very challenging weather, I imagine, in your part of the world uh, right now. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so we had, uh, first of all, yes, it's a 2023 Toyota Tundra. I tested the Platinum model jackets right, surprisingly, in the middle of the lineup. Uh, despite being priced around $71,000, you can actually go two trims higher and then add options on top of that. Uh, so the Tundra is absolutely following in its uh, the American Big Three's footsteps there. But when they delivered the Tundra, uh, they delivered it the week before uh, the holidays. So I had it for a long period of time over the holidays into this month uh, for a varied amount of weather uh, through an ice storm, through a snowstorm. And then through just what it is right now, which is just the the brown sandy roads that we drive on here most of the most of the year, or most of the winter, I should say. Uh, but uh, I'll take a step back here. So it's a 2023 Tundra. It's the platinum model. I mentioned it starts at just a little bit over seven or with options ends up at a little bit over $71,000. You can buy this truck jack for just under $40,000 at the base level uh, with the twin turbo V6 powertrain non-hybrid. I tested the hybrid model with the iForce Max powertrain. It's a 3.5 liter V6, a twin turbo V6, 437 horsepower, 583 pound-feet of torque. Uh, my configuration, which was the Platinum with the crew cab, can tow up to 11,040 pounds. So those numbers are better in almost every way than the, the outgoing uh, Tundra Jack. I want to get your feeling on the old V8 versus the new V6 powertrains. Well, a lot of people might go, oh, I, I need a V8. A, a V6 won't get it done. And to them, I would say, drive this vehicle and you will believe that there's a V8, a very strong V8 <laughs> under the hood or something exactly like that or maybe even better than that. Uh, tons of horsepower, great amount of torque. Uh, I think this is a great powertrain and you get the benefits of better fuel economy. You do. And you know what? It actually sounds a little bit like a V8, too, the way it's set up and the way they've got the exhaust set up. You know, I was surprised to hear it the first time I started it up. Uh, but this is a big truck jack. It's a full-size pickup truck. I've often talked about how I like the F-150 because it feels like it shrinks around you over time. It feels smaller than it does, than it actually is. Uh, the Tundra doesn't get that done. It's not. It still feels like a big truck. It handles like a big truck. Uh, it's a little boat-like at times. That said, it now has a coil spring rear suspension, so this truck feels much more stable and comfortable on the highway. It handles much better, turn in is much better, uh, and it maneuvers these more easily in the in the city because you're not you know jarred around the, like the old truck. Uh, as I said, it's a quad, it's a crew cab pickup truck, the one that I tested, seating for five people here. Inside we had leather upholstery. Toyota equips an eight-inch touchscreen and lower and lower trims. This one came with a 14-inch display, and man, what a difference! Uh, the old saying, what a difference today makes the old show. What a difference the new screen makes uh, compared to the old models. Toyota's infotainment, we've talked about this till we're blue in the face. It was clunky. It was hard to use. Uh, the menus didn't make much sense. This new system is night and day, not only because it's not a light background now as opposed to a dark background, but the larger screen, the, the uh, 
interface is more uh, intuitive. It's smoother. It's faster. Uh, you touch something and it's already in front of you. You don't have to wait for it to kind of load and figure out what it's going to do. And the net result of that, Jack, when you're driving is you're not spending time poking around at a screen on the dash and your eyes are on the road. Uh, so it's less distracting, which I, I really appreciated. Uh, as I mentioned, seating for five. This truck had leather upholstery. You can get it with cloth on the lower levels. I think even the lower trims, I sat in one a few weeks ago. They feel nice. It feels like a nice pickup truck. You feel like you're getting what you're spending the money on. And the leather in this truck was soft, heated and cooled seats. You don't get the massaging functions that you do in the F1, the top trims, the F-150 and some other models. But overall, very comfortable inside. Uh, was option with a panoramic moonroof. Uh, Toyota Safety Sense comes standard, so you get blind spot monitoring, automatic emergency braking, forward collision warnings. Uh, and then there are a load of luxury options, just like you could get for an American truck. So uh, this truck came with fold-out uh, power side steps, which is something that you don't necessarily or don't typically see on a Tundra, uh, but it definitely grabs eyeballs. So, uh, Jack, I will just say, you know, as a family truck, I think I would probably still pick the F-150. I think that's that's still my my number one pick here. I think Toyota's done enough to get this truck into competition with the F-150 and the Ram 1500. Uh, it looks great inside and out. The tech is much improved. You get a great list of standard tech feature. I'm sorry, safety features, and the improved handling. Uh, it really just made night uh, night and day difference in how this truck felt. I would not have recommended the 2021 our 2020 Tundra, but I would recommend the 2022 or 23 Tundra just because it feels so much easier to drive uh, and it's easier to live with on a day-to-day -day basis. I totally agree. I think this really puts Toyota in that full-size pickup truck game. I think there's a lot of good reasons to consider the Tundra now when there weren't before, one of which is the new powertrain with uh, better fuel economy. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And there's hybrid versions that uh, have incredible fuel economy as well. So just a, a good all-around vehicle. And uh, I think uh, I'm glad to see more competition in that in that segment. It's really interesting. I agree. Well, I was driving a vehicle that's, uh, I guess you could describe it as the Kia EV6 battery electric crossover taken to the illogical extreme. And I'm talking about the EV6 GT. Let's get one statistic out of the way real quick. It'll go from 0 to 60 in 3.4 seconds. I mean, that's just crazy quick. It has a 161 mile an hour top speed, which is also pretty darn fast. Uh, and you're going to be burning up electrons <laughs> at a really rapid rate uh, if you ever do that for any uh, lengthy period of time. And you kind of can. But... For a vehicle with a base price of just a little over $61,000, and at, at that base price, you can't add a lot to it. So that's you're getting that kind of performance for $61,000 or so, you know, certainly under $65,000. Kia, frankly, is not going to sell a ton of these vehicles. I think their executives know that. They don't plan to. But what this is is a rolling billboard for the brand. They're saying they're putting a stake in the ground and they're saying, we're doing EVs. We're doing all kinds of EVs from uh, very inexpensive or reasonably inexpensive EVs like the Kia Niro, for example, their entry level, to the EV6. Uh, they will have an EV9, uh, others going forward. And here is a performance EV. And it's, it's something where, in, in some ways, the performance of a lot of EVs just comes out of the fact that they have big battery packs and they could throw a lot of electricity at their motors. Uh, and if you don't care about range so much, you can, you can go pretty darn fast. They have tried to put this together, though, um, with some pieces that make it more than just, okay, it's fast in a straight line. They, they've done some stuff to help it handle. The combined horsepower is 
76 horsepower, 545 pound-feet of torque. I mean, those are supercar kind of numbers. It has stronger motors front and rear. It's an all-wheel drive vehicle. At the same time, it's facing off against, you know, something like 4,200 pounds. <laughs> it's, it's no lightweight. It's no race car kind of lightweight. So uh, interesting combination of those things. It has Z-rated Goodyear F1 tires, 21-inch alloy wheels, limited slip rear differential function. That's, it just comes as, as part of the way they manipulate the motors. There's not a, a separate a piece of gear for that. And like I say, it's a monospec car uh, with 161 mile per hour um, capability. Range, 206 miles. I mean, that's not a ton of range. It though has it has the same battery pack as most uh, Kia EV6s, however. So if you don't dip into the throttle too much, you could probably get more range than that. I mean, it's a crossover vehicle, a kind of nominally, that's what Kia calls it. Uh, it has a lot of crossover utility. At the same time, it's not tall in the same way most crossovers are. It doesn't have that crossover kind of two box uh, design. Uh, the EPA calls it a small station wagon and maybe that's a way to look at it. Inside, great looking vehicle. It has the two 12.3-inch uh, touchscreens across the, the dashboard, very intuitive to use. It has vegan suede performance bucket seats. <laughs> I, I like that. I would call them maybe plastic. <laughs> I guess I just did call them plastic. And the steering wheel, Chris, has the D-cut shape, which makes the car that much faster. I mean, describe to our listeners why a D-cut steering wheel makes cars so much faster. I don't think it does. I have one in my GTR, <laughs> and it feels just as slow with, with it or without it. But, uh, you know, I guess it's stylish, right? Yeah, it is stylish, and it kind of has the style of a performance vehicle, certainly. They use lime green as their accent color. It has... Uh, so it has lime green highlights inside, also lime green uh, brake calipers outside. That's a, a tell that you're looking at an EV6 uh, GT. And in a lot of ways, it operates just like all the other EV6s, but it goes really fast in a straight line. I would say on the track, it has more capabilities than I have on the track, but uh, isn't the greatest track car in the world. It's got tons of power, and you don't have to shift gears. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, but this is an interesting vehicle. You mentioned 206 miles of range. Uh, that's a that's not that great, but it's also you know 3.4 seconds zero to 60. That's only half a second off the GTR, the Nissan GTR. So, uh, and not that, that far off many Ferraris, as you mentioned. So, uh, interesting. But I think when the fun runs out, and I'm going to come back to this, uh, where are you going to charge it? We need more chargers around to to refill the thing. And I and I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I think the superpower of this vehicle that weighs actually closer to 5,000 pounds and 4,000 pounds is the fact that it'll uh, recharge very quickly if you get the right recharger. It will go from 10 to 80% uh, state of charge in 18 minutes with a 350 kilowatt charger. So, uh, you know, a, a super fast DC charger. So finding one of those, um, because of its 800 volt system, I, th I think that maybe that's the coolest thing about it. I think that's maybe cooler than the fact that it'll go so fast. But uh, it's an amazing vehicle. I think it means a lot more to Kia than the volume will ever uh, suggest and uh, uh, it's certainly one to take a look at if you if you love electric cars and you love performance. I agree, it's interesting. The EV6 itself looks great, so I can't wait to drive it. Right. Well, when we come back, we will be having our interview with Gary Witzenberg, who is the president of the North American Car of the Year jury, and we're going to go through the North American Car, Truck, and Utility of the Year selections with him. Uh, get his take on it. I'll probably give my take too because I'm on the jury. So stay with us. Uh, with Chris Teague, Jack Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us on America on the Road. 
Hi, this is Jackie Redd, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Nee Red back with you, and thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. We're in a special place. We're on outside Pontiac, Michigan at M1 Concourse, and talking about the North American Car, Truck, and Utility of the Year with the president of the jury, Gary Witzenberg. Gary, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Pleasure well, to be here. We're all suited up because we have announced the North American Car, car Truck, and Utility of the Year. Let's, uh, why don't you reveal them? That would be terrific if you could do that. That we have, if I can remember. It's been a busy morning, so hopefully I can remember them off the top of my head. The car was the Acura Integra. Right. The uh, truck was kind of a runaway for the Ford F-150 Lightning. We kind of expected that. And the utility was the Kia EV6. Right. So terrific. And you got them all right. I was honored to introduce the car of the year to 2023 North American Car of the Year, the Acura Integra. Why don't we walk through the, uh, the finalists in that? The Integra was the uh, winner, a terrific vehicle. Uh, what are your impressions of the Acura Integra? I liked it a lot. And, and I, I should say uh, part of that feeling goes back to the original when Acura first was established as the luxury brand of Honda. Um, they had the Integra and the Legend, and I thought those were two of the best names in the whole industry. The Legend was the larger mid-sized car, the Integra was the smaller car, and they did away with those names and went to alphanumerics, and nobody understood which model was which, I think, outside of the company for a long time. So I'm glad they brought back that Integra name, the second best name they ever had, right. I think. And it's a heck of a good car. It it's really is, isn't it? I had the pleasure of uh, naming the uh, Acura Legend the I Motor Trend Import Car of the Year, I think in 1986 or 87. Really? So uh, go back that far. But it's, it's nice to see the Integra name come back, isn't it? It is. And, and going back to the Legend briefly, that was for a while before I changed careers one time before. That was probably my favorite car, the Legend I really liked. The Integra a little less so because it was basically a fancy Civic. This Integra very different. Right. It's Civic based, but it's a lot more than that. It's it's the performance, the looks, the accommodations, the features, everything. They've really done a lot with the interior of this vehicle too, right? I mean, yes, in, they in have. some ways, Acura interiors were more functional than than good looking, but I think this is both. Yep, I agree. And uh, you know, I, I won't tell you exactly how I voted, but I had some points to give, and I gave a fair amount of them to that vehicle. Right. Well, there are other vehicles uh, in that field as well. The Genesis G80 Electrified yep. was a revelation to me when I drove it. How do you feel about that vehicle? 
I liked it a lot as well. Uh, the G80 itself is a really nice car, as pretty much all Genesis vehicles are these days. They've really come from pretty much out of nowhere as the luxury brand of Hyundai and Kia. And uh, they're doing some really, really good stuff. They had two finalists this year, one utility with a GV60. And this one as a car, the GV80, or I mean the uh, G80. Um, you electrify it, and it didn't get worse. If anything, it might have gotten better. Yeah, I think it did. It really did get better, yeah. and they seem like they upped the uh, ante inside as well. The interior right. is, is really well done. Uh, and to have that beat out a, a vehicle like the Mercedes-Benz EQE, for example, which was also yes. in the field of contenders, I mean, that right. shows you something right there, doesn't it? Yeah, it really was. And, and again, congratulations to Genesis to having two uh, finalists, neither one of them won, as it turned out. Yeah. But we've, we've seen the Votols now, and the uh, the G80 Electrified was very close. Right. It was right. a five-point gap between that and the Integra. So yeah. it was a really close battle between those two. Well, and a, a, another yeah. vehicle in that, of course, a terrific vehicle, one I liked a lot, and I gave a lot of points to, to yeah. tell you the truth, was the Nissan Z. What's your take on that vehicle? It's, I've always been a fan of the Z since the very first one, way back. Um, this one, of course, is easily the best one ever. Uh, it, it, it borrows some basic componentry and structure, I think, from the original or from the previous version, I mean. Uh, but it's a big improvement on it. And as a two-seat sports car, which offers a uh, manual transmission, which, by the way, the Acura does, too. That's one thing I liked about it. One of the, right. Those are two um, of the very few. That still offer a six-speed manual transmission. Exactly. exactly. But, cool. yeah, I liked it a lot. Now, I will confess I haven't had a lot of time in it because I, they had a local event where I got about an hour's drive, and then we had our fall drive in October. So I haven't had time to spend more time with it yet. But I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I've spent actually quite a bit of time with the, yeah. the Nissan Z recently, and that 400 horsepower, it really comes alive. It's, it's really yeah, there's almost nothing to complain about. I mean, you can argue about what's good, but it's pretty hard to find something bad in that market of two-seat performance right. sports cars. Let's switch over and, and start talking about the utility vehicle of the year, because so many people like utility vehicles. It's a really yeah. important category these days, and the winner was the Kia, Kia EV6. Your impressions of that vehicle? Well, it shares, there are three now versions of electric, all-electric battery vehicles on that same basic architecture. Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis all have one. This is the Genesis, I'm sorry, we're talking about the Kia. Right. The GV60 is the Genesis, the um, Ionic 5 is the Hyundai, and the Kia 6 is maybe somewhere in between in, in terms of uh, features and uh, luxury inside the cockpit and so it's on. It's been kind of a transformative vehicle for Kia, I think. Uh, really um, set them apart. They've sold 20,000 of these uh, yeah. things as electric vehicles. I think it's really kind of taken hold. And now it's available in this incredible performance version, yeah. the GT version, uh, 0 to 60 in something like 3.4 seconds. It's kind of amazing, at least in terms of straight line speed. I was going to mention that. That, that. I think that helped them, too, in the voting, the fact that the GT version was available and a lot of us got to drive it. I think most of us got to drive it at one time or another. It's very impressive. Right. It's more than just an electric utility, small utility, but it's a high-performance small electric utility. Right. And there's a lot of other good things to say about it as well. Well, other contenders in that category, of course, there was the uh, Genesis GV60 mm -hmm. uh, based on the same architecture. Do you think that might have hurt it because that's a much more expensive version of essentially the same architecture? 
Probably did. I, I think probably price point was one thing. Uh, Genesis as a brand isn't as well known yet. Kia has been for many years thought of as, as kind of a cheap brand, but it's really moved up in terms of its respect out there in, among consumers and media. And uh, I think also, though, as we just said, the presence of the GT version really helped the Kia. Yeah. I think the GV60 has a terrific interior. I sound like Mr. Interior Design today, yeah. but I, I think they've done a really nice job with the interior. In terms of the overall platform, I mean, you, you get the same, very similar performance to the right. EV6, so there's not that much to talk about there, but in terms of what they've done with the vehicle in terms of exterior design and interior right. design, it's quite a different vehicle. They've done a very good job of differentiating each of the three from the other two. They're, they don't look like badge-engineered vehicles. Let's not forget the Lyric. Well, I wasn't going to forget the Lyric. I think that's, yeah. a, that's one that I, I think maybe you have a, a soft spot for. Uh, tell us a bit about your take on the Lyric. Not so much. And again, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. I did go to their launch event, so I got a drive there. Spent much of a day in one in California. I was very impressed with the not only the look of it, but the way it drove and the interior and just about everything about it. It was almost, you know, they're, they're, in those early pre-production models, there were a few glitches with the infotainment system. I assume those are taken care of but it left me with a very strong positive impression. Then I got in one again briefly at our fall drive, mm -hmm. and uh, again, there's not much not to like, and it's actually at a surprisingly reasonable price for a Cadillac battery EV of that size with those features. Yeah, it really it, strikes it's me less expensive than I expected it would be. Yeah, I, General Motors seems to be pricing their uh, electric vehicles very aggressively. Uh, I don't know whether they uh, have something special uh, <laughs> that allows them to do that or whether they're trying to buy a market share. Uh, it's, it's interesting what they're doing with all their electric vehicles, yeah. and the Cadillac Lyrica is certainly an example of that. Maybe a little of both. Um, they, I think they're Ultium platform. There may be some cost reduction there versus some competitors and also I under, I don't know much about this but I understand they now have distribution centers where the where the uh, dealers don't have to stock the vehicles mm -hmm. and pay floor floor plan interest on them they can deliver a vehicle within a day or two of a customer order and GM claims that saves them a couple thousand dollars a car wow and that's a lot of money so uh, yeah heaven, so heaven knows it's but very money. impressive car I thought it might actually win but I'm not surprised that it didn't, I guess, compared to the other two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about uh, the truck of the year. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I think we all had a feeling uh, that the truck of the year would be the Ford F-150 Lightning. But uh, your impressions of that vehicle? Well, it's there, there are other EV trucks out there now. Um, but there isn't one that is as much of a complete working vehicle, in my opinion, as this F-150 Lightning. It's based on the gas-powered F-150, has pretty much all the attributes of that, except for loaded range. That's the one Achilles heel. If you're going to tow something or haul a lot of stuff, you can lose half your advertised range with a lot of a lot of weight or, or a tow vehicle behind it, a trailer behind it. But otherwise, it does everything the gas ones do and more, including it's a very expensive option i guess you can actually turn around and have it power your house in case of a power outage or something like that that takes a piece of equipment that you have to buy separately yeah but it is but doable it, it is possible yeah and it's amazing that that's available i mean in a lot of ways uh it does everything that the f-150 does including tow and yeah. haul and all of that and then it does so much more it's really a, a remarkable vehicle i think now the other two vehicles in that class the the silverado zr2 well it's basically a high performance silverado it's not an all-new vehicle 
Uh, maybe in some other years it wouldn't have even been considered, but it was this year because it was different enough from the basic Silverado that it made sense. And then you've got the Lordstown Endurance, which is a startup, very low volume, fleet only at least to begin with. We don't know yet if they'll ever sell them to consumers. So that was kind of a stretch to have that one in there as well. But I'm glad we did because it gave us three vehicles to yeah. compare and, well, it, and I, it was fascinating to me to drive the lordstown endurance and to, to hear their story i think it's a really interesting story that they have that they're going commercial only and they believe there's commercial applications for electric trucks that are, are very real well and interestingly too it's got four electric motors it's got wheel motors one on each wheel yeah and that's to my knowledge that's the only one out there truck or car or anything that's, that's got that feature at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, that was something talked about for electric yeah. vehicles, but never c really came to fruition well, I except think in the, in the Lordstown. I think one downside of that is it adds a lot of cost. It also adds some unsprung weight. So there are disadvantages to that. I know there have been people trying to sell that concept for some time. This is the first OEM, be it a brand new startup OEM, that's actually gone that direction. Right. Let's talk about the process quickly before yeah. we uh, end here. As you know, we don't know the winners until just a short time ago when we opened the envelopes. Right. When yeah, Deloitte gave us the envelopes like at the Oscars, and we know what the winners are. It was fun to open that envelope to uh, see what the North American Car of the Year would be for 2023. And Gary Witzenberg, president of the organization, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure, Jack. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Red back with you for listener question time. It's the final segment of this show, and the time just goes so fast. I love talking with Chris about cars and uh, what a fascinating industry we have. And uh, we love to help you out with listener questions. In fact, if you have a listener question for us, you can submit it in this manner. You can send it to editor at drivingtoday.com, editor at drivingtoday.com, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming show and hope to help you out. And here's a question I'd like to put in front of you, Chris. This is from Walter. He is in Austin, Texas. Walter says this. I'm looking to buy a full-size pickup truck, and I want your opinion. The price of the Ford Lightning just seems out of sight to me, and I'm not sure it would work for me anyway. What is your recommendation? Well, my first recommendation is the Ford F-150 with the Power Boost uh, powertrain. It's a hybrid powertrain. Uh, I think that may end up being about as expensive as a Lightning in some configurations, depending on how the Lightning markups are working right now if you're buying one off a dealer's lot. Uh, I think for a run-of-the-mill pickup truck, an F-150 is great. We just talked about the Toyota Tundra earlier in the show. Uh, lower trims of that can be had for a good price. It's got great predictive reliability. Uh, you can get it with all the all the features that you can get an American pickup truck with. Uh, I think any of the uh, manufacturers, so Ram, Chevrolet, and, and GMC, and Nissan too, I guess, although we could probably place them at the end of the pack. Jack, I want to get your feeling. If you had to pick one between the big three, which one would you do? I tell you, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Ram 1500. Uh, and maybe it's because uh, I just like the plush ride of the Ram 1500. Uh, it has, I think, the best interior or a best array of interiors of all the full-size pickup trucks. I think the other manufacturers are trying to play catch-up. You talked about the Tundra. I think they're trying to get there. Uh, I think Ford is trying to get there. I think the high country in the Silverado, the Chevrolet Silverado, is trying to be where Ram 1500 is. But I, th I really think they have the best interiors. Uh, plenty of interior space in a, in a crew cab there. Um, maybe not quite the capabilities in terms of overall towing or payload, as, but close to the F-150. And 
You know, that's not that important to those of us who are using these as personal use vehicles, and I'm not towing a gigantic boat or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I think that would be my first choice. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I think I was just thinking as you were saying that uh, maybe a smaller truck, if you wanted to go that route, if you had, if you were going to spend time commuting in this vehicle or you needed something that was a little bit less expensive, uh, the Ford Ranger is expected to be all new, I think, for 2024, if you can wait that long. However, the 2023 model is great. Uh, both the Colorado and the Canyon, the Chevrolet Colorado and the GMC Canyon, recently updated. They offer a diesel engine, so you get good towing, good fuel economy. So there are other choices out there that aren't just in the full-size uh, side of the market. Yeah, and I think when we're looking at something mid-size, I think the Nissan Frontier, you know, renewed in the last couple of years and, and much, much better. I mean, it lived a long time. I think it lived uh, well over a decade unchanged and then was radically changed over the course of the last two years. And I think that's one of the best uh, best options out there right now. I think they do a really good job. Again, nice interior, uh, comfortable ride, good capabilities. Um, you can get it in all-wheel drive if you want to go off-road. And I've done some off-roading in, in a Nissan Frontier. So uh, I think a lot to like about that vehicle. Yeah, they have great seats too. Those front seats are killer. Yeah, very, very good. Of course, the... Uh, the um, Toyota Tacoma is the go-to in the, the midsize segment. I, I think, though, uh, in terms of ride quality, I mean, <laughs> that it feels like it dates back into the 70s in, in ride quality. And, and that's one of my um, you know, kind of sticking points about the Tacoma. I mean, otherwise, uh, marvelous, marvelous vehicle. My thing with the Tacoma is uh, interior room and ride comfort. So you mentioned ride quality. But for me, the seat is, uh, and I think many others, if you read reviews, this is a common issue. The seating position in that truck is awkward for me. If the seat is too low to the ground and it feels almost like my legs are straight out in front of me, which over a period of time on the highway or longer trips, if you're going to take it there, uh, can be tiresome. It's also got a small back seat, no matter how you spec it. So if you've got kids or a dog or whomever else you want to ride back there, they're going to have a, a cramp time. Right. Well, I think we've given Walter uh, some good suggestions there. I, I We haven't narrowed it down a ton, but I think we've given no. some, some good ideas about uh, full-size and mid-size pickup trucks. So let's go to this next question. This is from Shelley in Encinitas, California. This is what Shelley has to say. I'm going to have to commute into an office after working at home for the past two-plus years. Do you have a commuter car recommendation? It doesn't have to be big. Most of the time, I will be the only one in it. And uh, I'll be driving about 15 miles each way. So that opens it up to a lot of things, doesn't it, Chris? Yeah, but I think my pick here is going to be a plug-in hybrid, Jack. The 15-mile commute, I mean, you might be able to get most of the way around trip before you run out. But the Toyota Prius Prime, I think, is going to be my choice here. Uh, if you don't want to go plug-in hybrid, the regular, the regular uh, Toyota Prius would still be my choice. I think for a commuter car, you can't do much better. Yeah, I think a, a possible uh, contender would be the Kia Niro. Uh, and the, its plug-in and its hybrid version. The hybrid version is the base version of the Kia Niro and uh, costs less than $30,000 um, and fuel economy is through the roof. I think it's something like 52 miles per gallon. Uh, so that's very, very good. You're going to pay a premium for the plug-in. At the same time, with the plug-in, you might never buy gas at all. So you have to you know, kind of sort that out. I think if, if you're driving 15 miles each way, you're going to be on the edge of uh, where, uh, where a plug-in hybrid is going to shift over to a regular hybrid drive and you're going to burn some gasoline, uh, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's not going to uh, 
immediately cause cancer in, in the cabin or anything like that. So uh, I think those are two darn good choices. And there are plenty of small cars. I mean, the Hyundai Elantra is a fabulous car. You can buy that uh, in hybrid version uh, for not a ton of money. And uh, gee, just a, a really good vehicle, I think. Yeah, I think if you're depends on where you're driving, right? That 15 miles is on the highway. A hybrid might not be the most won't yield the same fuel economy benefits that it would in the city. But either way, a plug-in hybrid is hard to argue with in that situation. Yeah. And then you look at the Honda Civic and uh, Toyota Corolla, two absolute go-tos among small cars, small commuter cars. And, um, you know, I've just done some writing about those. Uh, again, really good choices. I agree. And you mentioned the Elantra. That was second on my list. You know, it's really hard to beat the interior space of that car, the comfort, the tech, and the value. So, you know, and the Kia Nero's in the same boat, right? So they're they're both great, great values, and, and you get a lot for what you pay. I guess that's the definition of a value. So, yeah, I like them. So those are our listener questions for this week. We want to thank you for listening to America on the Road. I want to thank you, Chris, for uh, providing the great commentary that you always provide. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Jack. Before I sign us off, I want to talk about your test driver, my website. Uh, we're having a giveaway for the month of January. For If you like our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and you follow our newsletter, we're giving away two $250 WeatherTech gift cards. So you can buy floor mats, you can buy pet protection, you can even buy stuff for your home. Uh, WeatherTech is what I use in my car. I'm sure Jack has experience with them too. It's a fantastic brand. So that's two $250 gift cards at yourtestdriver.com. Uh, but again, Jack, thanks for having me. I thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you like what you heard, please check out sportsmapradio.com. There you can find us on the Saturday morning schedule. You can download our normal podcast formatted on every major platform that is available, as well as a radio show if you prefer to listen to us uh, edited and, and tightened up a little bit, which I know you don't because you love all of our uh, wonderful takes here. Uh, but Jack, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and our thanks to the Sports Map Radio Network uh, sh uh, stations for carrying America on the road. We do appreciate it. The Sports Map Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. And, uh, you know, join us here every week for America on the road. We're basically in the same time slot uh, every Saturday morning on most of those stations. So join us for that. You can uh, pick up our podcast and listen to the show. You can even see us on YouTube and uh, see what, what hat or what cap Chris is wearing each week. And uh, a very nice one this week. Uh, if you like the show, pass it on. Let people know uh, when it's on and uh, when they can listen. And, uh, you know, like it. Give us a good review if you want. And subscribe. So, uh, And send us a listener question. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to he hear your comments on America on the Road. And I'd love to have you check out my newest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. I've always been a, a fan of true crime. I'm certainly not a fan of crime, but a fan of wondering why people do what they do in terms of criminal behavior. It's, it's pretty amazing. And uh, Dance in the Dark is kind of informed by my study of that over a long period of time. I wrote a book called Fatal Photographs, which is the true crime account of the bathing suit model murder case from the 1990s, a very famous case. So you might want to check that out. But certainly my newest book is Dance in the Dark. I'd love to have you look at that on Amazon, available in Kindle and paperback form. So look for that. If you like the show, please pass it on. Listen to this radio station each week. Uh, we're on at this time each week, typically, across the SportsMap radio network list of stations. And our show is available on all the major podcast outlets as well. So look for it there. Thanks so much for listening to America on the Road. And join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road on the SportsMap radio network.